It is a tremendous privilege and honor. I am very humbled to stay, stand on this, behind this platform and preach to this crowd of people. Uh, let's open our Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter uh, six, 16. Chapter 16. I, I first heard about that I'm preaching in, in Prescott from my friend and a brother from Prescott Church. Uh, evangelist Dennis Wright, he uh, called me about two months ago and he brought the news. I didn't believe him because how many know that uh, Brother Dennis can be trusted? <laughs> I was, I was, you know, I, I thought he, it's a mistake, but here we are and God's going to help us. Book of Acts 16. I want to preach a sermon that I call The Voice from the Other Side. And uh, how many of you ever wondered? what they think about you and how they perceive you when you come to their land to bring the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and I'm speaking about the missionaries here in this place so I'm being a converted heathen and a converted barbarian would like to uh, give you some insight from you know what I've seen when I was growing up in a church that was pioneered by a Canadian missionary Glennon Medjrupchan that are pastoring and pioneering a church in Fiji. And I hope you will um, at least have a joy of sharing my life with you, testimony with, with, with me. Acts 16, starting with verse 9. And the vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we uh, sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord has called us to preach the gospel to them. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the uh, foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days, and on the Sabbath day we went out of the city to the riverside, where prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to the women who met there, now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. Then the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If uh, you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. So here we are. And the first thing that I'm... Um, brings to remembrance is uh, the missionary and uh, this is what I want to talk about first is the missionary itself because without a missionary without a preacher there won't be you no know, conversions so looking back at the um, you know first impression that I had on the family that was sent over to Vologda Russia 17 years ago I would say that the first thing that I would uh, think about was um, that when they told me or told us there that when we were starting getting saved, they said, we are here to stay. They said, we're here to stay. And then they added a phrase until the Lord wants us to move somewhere else. But I didn't understand that phrase at that time. And so, you know, that was fascinating to me and us, uh, they are Russians, that they had a decision and a desire to come from Canada to our poor uh, country that was uh, devastated by communism and to our nation. I was fascinated by their family. I was fascinated by their openness and difference from people that we knew around us. And uh, this is a great advantage 
when you come overseas and when you, uh, uh, you, look, you, you talk to the nationals and you're saying that you are willing to plant yourself in this country, this, is, this changes, you know, this makes something uh, or, or, or uh, um, works in the heart of men and women that are there that are saying, hey, this, these people are amazing. They're, they want to come here. They want to live here. They want to stay here. We want to go out. We want to go to Canada. They come here. Another thing that I would uh, mention is uh, what made a difference, what made an impact on my life was a lot of smiling that was taking place. See, I've never met so many smiling people in my life. Uh, you, know, you know, we're coming from, you know, Soviet Union is, is a place where, you know, nobody smiles. Up until now in Russia, there's, there's a few people that smile. That's the first impression people have when they come over, overseas to preach for me. You know, when they see people, they're, you know, they're very, very depressed faces. And so when you see a missionary, you know, uh, coming from a free society, and what a difference in the post-communist depressive uh, mindset. I can imagine the price of that smile sometimes. You know, the price of the smile... In despite the circumstances, you know, I, I by no means an expert. I've never been a missionary, but you know, like I said about bar barbarian uh, converted. But uh, uh, we have some churches out now from Vologda, from our church. We have five international churches. I, get, I went to Mongolia first time a few years ago for our missionary, and we went to this house. Well, you know, you can call it a house, I guess. And so we went, you know, with a visit a family, and uh, they gave us a drink. That was a hospitality drink. This is what it was. It was a horse milk that was fermented. It had fat in there, green tea, and salt. I mean, even the smell of that thing, you know, you, you wanted to puke, but you, 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 you can't refuse it because, you know, you're going to offend these people and do it with a smile. Oh, mwah, delicious. What is the price of that smile? I am, you know, missionaries and former and active and their wives and their the missionary kids sitting in this place. This is this sermon is a tribute to your service and the fulfilling of the vision of our fellowship to reach the world for Jesus Christ. You are heroes. The other thing that I, that made an impression on me is a, is a, is a language barrier. You know, there are a lot of different opinions on, the la on whether the missionary should learn English or, I mean, the na national language, Russian or whatever, or not. And so, I'm just going to give you my uh, opinion. In my perspective, I was glad that Glenn uh, could not learn Russian. Because that gave me an opportunity. People come to me and ask me all the time, how do you know English so well? And I, I don't know English well, you know, I, I you know... Not that good, but still, to that point, that helped a lot because I was able to speak English. I heard the preaching, and you know, he at one point, after I was saved for two, three months, he dumped the professional interpreter that was not saved and said, Sergey, you're going to do the job. And I'm like, my, my English is, you know, is very, very poor at that time. It was, it was really bad. He started preaching, you know, and then we went through the sermon and I was nodding my head because, you know, you want to you wanna show that you know everything? <laughs> A proud Russian, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and so, 
So, understand? Yes, I understand. Do you know this word? Yes, I understand. Do you know this word? Yes, I understand. So he's preaching a sermon on the hypocrites. Right? And so, I don't have a clue what hypocrites, you know, I don't know that word. But I know, you know, I am, I am a university student. I know what Hippocrates, who, who Hippocrates is. You know the Hippocrates? He's a Greek philosopher. So he's preaching about hypocrites. <laughs> he, he is preaching that we shouldn't become, we shouldn't become hypocrites. And I'm preaching we shouldn't become like Hippocrates. <laughs> and people still got saved. They came to the altar and... The other thing that I want to tell you, don't ever give us money. If you want to ruin a national, you know, because when you come with your money to a land like Russia or Cambodia or other place, you know, your heart goes out, your soft American heart. You know, my wife and I, we were traveling on a plane uh, here to, you know, uh, to States. And I said, you know, t- turned to her and said, you know, we're coming back to a, uh, a pleasant and lovely place with a pleasant and lovely, uh, nice people. And every missionary knows what we're talking about. And so when you start seeing, you know, a, a, a need, and a need is great, even 20 bucks can save a whole family for a month. There is a desire to, you know, invest a little bit. And they wonder maybe we should do this or, or not. Do not do that under no circumstances because this what destroys nationals, the religious world out there. This is exactly what they're doing. They're not getting people saved. Let me read you a letter from my Cambodian missionary, Andre. This is what he says. Much of the Cambodians look at the Christian church as a source of gifts and financial help. This is the way Korean and American churches act. A lot of people are drawn to these churches because of lotteries. After service, the food is being distributed and people are brought on a paid tuk-tuk. This is a kind of a taxi. And every Christmas, they spread good gifts and all those churches are packed with people. Recently, a woman came to Pastor John Mayola's church and asked whether, whether they were going to have English classes or not. She was surprised with the answer. This never for answer. And she asked about a computer class and promptly left saying that no one will ever come to their church because they don't provide these things. All of the people in the ministry, they receive salaries right away. This uh, is very destructive for their view of life. Devil deceived Cambodian, pe- Cambodian people through the religious churches. People are looking, not looking for God anymore, but for what they can get from missionaries. And isn't this sad truth around the globe? And instead of being a blessing, they become a curse to the nations. You know, I'm glad that my pastor lived uh, lived a modest life. He never flashed money. I knew he had more money than the average, you know, a lot of people, all of them. But there was no flashing of, of money. And um, obviously he lived above and beyond what Russians could afford. But in the end, I was able to copy his lifestyle when he was gone. And that's important. He wasn't out there far away that nobody could ever reach him, you know. And I could copy his lifestyle when he was gone. On the contrary, we had a man that came to our church 
uh, when, the, when Russia was just, you know, uh, in the beginning stages. And this man came and spent $300 a night on the hotel in Moscow. The average salary a month back then was $30 a month. And I saw that. This man spending 10 months salary a night for a hotel. He is no more in our fellowship. Guess why? You just don't do that. Another thing that I want to say is don't be afraid to pull for money. Oh, oh, these poor people, they have no money, you know. Please don't curse them heathen out there. And be not afraid. And you, we got to use wisdom here and balance, you know. But sometimes when people say balance, you know, it's a substitute for unbelief sometimes. we got to be balanced. No, 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 no. You don't believe. And that's the reason why. Pull on money, pull for money, and um, how can we ask them to give? Do not curse those nations. Teach us to give. Uh, uh, teach us to sacrifice. Teach us to give more and more, and uh, break the spirit of mammon. The other thing that uh, people wonder sometimes whether we should be afraid to disciple the way Prescott disciples men, you know, the way we disciple people in states or, you know, in the established countries and places. No, no, no. You do the same thing as you do here. You do anywhere. You know, let me, let me tell you. When I was a, a new disciple, I was working for these religious Americans that were, you know, I was interpreting for them. And uh, one of them was, uh, they were, they were in, with a mission, but there were no fruit. I was their only fruit, they thought, because I was working for them. I got saved in Porter's house. But anyway, one of these boys there, one of the men there, he had a father who was um, working, he was a professor in Philadelphia Bible College. And so they've, uh, you, they, you know, they started influencing me if I, if, if I was interested. Are you kidding? Interested? Sure. Philadelphia Bible College? And so they brought the news to me and they said, you know, they, they, they will find financing for my, you know, for, for, for my studying and there is a place I can stay. There is an older elderly couple, huge house, people, kids are gone. You'll have two rooms for you. I'm like, what? This is amazing. So I started working on the documents and I got the package from the Philadelphia Bible College. It's, a, to my knowledge, it's a very liberal college. And I got the package and I brought it to, the, to my pastor. And I'm all excited because I'm going to do the will of God. <laughs> right? You know, I mean, I want to be preacher. You know, I want to serve God. This is a great opportunity. I'm going to know Hebrew, Greek, hermeneutics, hermeneutics, you know, other ethics. And so I'm going to, you know, this is going to be fine, wonderful. And so, so, so he looks at me. I'm all excited. You know, I'm all filled with, you know, uh, excitement. And I'm, I'm, I'm showing him the documents. I'm saying how wonderful this all is. He's looking at me and I notice something that there is some, you know, he doesn't like that. <laughs> and, and, and finally I said, what, what do you think about it? That's what he said. It's not I said it, he said it. He's, he's far away, so you can... He said, Sergey, you are an absolute... Idiot. Do, do, do you do that in a, in a foreign field like that? He said, you're going you're gonna to marry, the, you're going you're gonna to go there, you're going to lose fire, you're going to marry a um, pleasantly plump 
American girl. That's, that's what, that, he didn't say that. I, I rephrased it, okay? Do not be afraid to disciple the same way. We disciple men everywhere. It works everywhere. Do not, the other thing is, do not be afraid to challenge the culture. Josh McDowell has a ministry there in the Russia, and at one point he collected all of his workers, and he told them to, when they he gave them an advice to respect cultural customs, and he said, when you go to house of Russians, and then they offer you a drink, and you know what drink Russian drinks, right? Right, so uh, it's vodka. Um, you know, why bother with beer, you know, just, you know. And so, so, so he says, if they offer you a drink, do not reject that. They'll be very upset and offended if you don't do that, and the door to their hearts will be shut forever. Well, the door to their hearts really open when they're both drunk and they're singing whatever, kumbaya, whatever, how you call it. And... Um, we do not come to respect culture that contradicts God or His Word. And we are there, yes, amen, to revolutionize. We are there to revolutionize, to change. And I know we got to use wisdom. But uh, I remember I asked at one point, I was two months saved, I asked, you know, um, what he thought about our beautiful, beautiful Orthodox temples. Not that I cared about those temples. But, you know, it's a good thing to ask because this is part of, you know, our heritage. And so, um, you know, um, um, he looked at me and, um, uh, in the eye and he said, uh, uh, that, uh, uh, he said, yeah, they're fine. And well, I'm like, yeah? He says, do you want me to, know, to tell you what I really think about those temples? I said, yeah, sure. He says, I hate them. <laughs> Whoa. You know, and then he proceeded to show me the Bible and explain meaning of idolatry and the show from the Word of God, and uh, this is exactly what we need to do and call to do. We are coming into the countries, and uh, this is what I expect, what I would expect, and this is what I tell the men that we go, we send overseas. You, you are not to, you know, we have to, you know, respect culture in some way, but do not, you know, bow down because you're in a foreign field and you need to respect the culture all of a sudden, and your, um, all of your uh, convictions are changed all of a sudden you know Acts 17 6 these uh, men that have turned the world upside down have come here also please do in the book of Acts 28 he preached the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence no man forbidding him next thing I want to mention that I made impression on me it was an exhibit of faith. Driving with a license, a driver's license that was expired, but no policeman could ever read it, so it was okay. <laughs> Driving a Russian military van that would not start in the winter time, so every morning as I lived nearby, we drove to church together. That's where my vocabulary was largely enriched by words like shoot, bummer, pile of junk, stupid idiots, and take a hand crank. The missionary, should, the missionary should exhibit faith 
renting buildings, speaking with authorities, taking dominion. We thought many, many times, this man is the craziest man we've ever seen. But you know what? I liked it. And I believe this is a genuine missionary. If you, you, know, if you are pl- contemplating going ever to the mission field, you have to be somewhat crazy in your mind. The last thing I want to say that made a long impression on me was show them the grand vision. I remember times, I'll never forget his words. He said, Sergey, we're going to preach places. Sergey, we're going to go there together. And we're going to hear, you know, go here together. We're going to preach in the Philippines together. Go here and there with all these places. I was so excited. I could, you know, I was, uh, I thought everything's moving around me. And I'm going back to, I remember that, going back to my, my, my apartment, looking through the map, trying to find where the Philippines are and having no clue what that place is about. But wow, that made such an impression on my heart. There's got to be always pointing to the horizons where God can move and do mighty things and every church should be a church with a grand vision and this is an exact thing that we need to preach off the pulpit right away we're going to take the world no matter how poor that country is how bad the economy is we have to do that you know a woman um, in the plane next to my wife a few years ago asked me where, where Russia was, if it was near Turkey, she was an American. Uh, uh, where... Hey, Russians have a lot of people that don't know where nothing is. So uh, she's asking if Russia was near Turkey or not. And so my wife didn't know what to say. <laughs> yes, it's, I guess it's near Turkey. It's also near Japan and China and Alaska, you know, and a few other places. So people are so ignorant sometimes of the world. And the question is, are you? Are we? See, Paul distinctly, when he saw a dream, you know, it wasn't like Macedonian men appeared and on the forehead it, was, it said Macedonian man. Or, you know, a badge. For some reason, somehow, he knew that the man was from Macedonia. He was not oblig- you know, oblivious to the world. He knew that the world is out there and he was willing to reach the world. Do you have a passion for the world? I tell my disciples to get a world map. Put it up on your, you know, above your desk. And Jesus said, the field is the world. Let's move secondly to the sending church. There is a missionary and then there is a sending church. A sending church. What a local church can do is unbelievable. You know, later on in life, I was, I was in the ministry, I found out that we were originating from Chilliwack Church, BC, you know, Canada. Praise God. And uh, Chilliwack is not exactly your highly profile metropolitan area. But that church took part in the world evangelism. And look at the fruit of their labor today. You know what I'm saying? If you think you need a super strong financial situation to send missionaries, you are absolutely wrong. I so appreciate my pastor, Pastor Marks and Sister Sherry for their sacrifice. I didn't know it at that time, you know, because, you know, I didn't know it. But when they sent a couple out to Russia, their church uh, uh, had a split. They were people that were in uh, the church council. They voted for the, uh, uh, for the uh, uh, mortgage to go up and then they left. 
And one third of the church left, one third of finances left, and they started sacrificing. Uh, they were behind in their building payments. They lived uh, on a, a pretty low salary. Pastor Marx didn't want me to say this, but he preached around a lot more to take uh, the, to, to make the ends meet. But he never made, missed paying his missionary, and the work of God was established. Precious, precious people there in the Chilliwack Church. Very, very precious. When I first time went to a Canadian conference a few years ago, I'm looking at this couple, they're shaking my hand, like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to lose my hand. And they're, they're super friendly, super excited, and I'm, I'm just wondering why. And then I talked to my pastor, Pastor Marx, and he says that these people, and many others did the same, these people in particular were saving money for their furniture, but took the money and gave it to the world of evangelism to support Russia. And there were many other people. There was a couple that sold their car. I don't know who these people are, but they've sold their car just to support Russia and to support work in Russia. If you think that you need a large church, ba you know, a financial base, uh, you are absolutely wrong and uh, thank, thank God for the Prescott Church and Pastor Mitchell for their faithfulness to the Great Commission being ripped off so many times and still giving me money towards the payment for our building there we're so blessed with our building and uh, the, you know gave it just gave it I said pastor we need money he didn't really know me and first time we met I introduced myself second time we met he's looking at me and he says and who are you uh, I understand, you know, I mean, who are you? I'm, gave it. Gave it towards the building. Staying faithful to the call of God, the Great Commission. We got to have gratitude in this place tonight. You know, I'm preaching from Book of Acts, but that Philippian church that started, did you know that? Philippians is the only epistle of Paul that has so many words, joy and rejoice. Let me, let me tell you, Colossians, three times joy and rejoice, the words joy and rejoice in uh, four chapters of Colossians. First Corinthians, six times in 16 chapters. And the context is not rejoicing for them or with them. Galatians, three times in six chapters. Three times in six chapters. And in Philippines, it's uh, uh, Philippians, uh, uh, well, Philippines too, but Philippians, 14 times. Do you hear me? 14 times. He says joy and rejoice. That church was a joyful church. It was a happy church. It was, it was the church that was most importantly was paying back the missionary and the pastor who sent the church. Listen to these words in Philippians 4.15. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you. A sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. That's the church. That needs, that's the attitude of the missionary church should be. That's the battle we need to win in the foreign field, being thankful for the missionaries, for the pastors, 
For those that have sent money again and again, year after year, I believe every national pastor, every pioneering pastor should, we should have a desire to pay back your mother church, to be a blessing for them, to be a source of joy for them. This is my joy and my pride that I am, or we are church, not me personally, our church in Vologda is a blessing to the Chilliwack church. And I want to be a blessing because of their fruits, fruit and their labor see blessing of God is connected with world evangelism because God finances his projects verse 19 of Philippians 4 says and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Jesus Christ some pastors talk about lack of money like there is no God in heaven don't you know that God always finances his projects you know, many years ago, when I heard Pastor Campbell speaking in the Holland Conference about $500, that, I mean not $500, but about praying for the missionary there in India, God put on my heart, I went back to Russia and collected a pledge, it was three months pledge, we collected an enormous amount of money, of $500, and I gave it to uh, somebody who went to States and gave it to Pastor Campbell, and after that, things started unfolding in our lives and in our ministry. Since we started getting involved with the world evangelism, our offerings went, uh, uh, grew six times in just four years. At this moment, the Church supports four missionaries on a 50 to 50 basis with the Chilliwack Church. That's another great blessing. We're not able to do this on our own, but we can do this. Four missionary works, some churches in Russia supported by our church alone, and we are so happy to be a, a, a part. If you read Book of Acts 16, the text that I started from, you will see the word we there. There's the word we. We decided, we understood, we went. It's the partnership, it's camaraderie of our fellowship that makes our fellowship so strong. One of the highlights of the last winter conference in Russia was an offering we collected on the last night for, of the conference. Because our conference was paid for by Wednesday, we collected, you know, Thursday World Evangelism offering, and Friday we decided to collect an offering for the Prescott Church and in gratitude for the Mother Church of all Mother Churches. And I can tell you, it was a dignity, an incredible dignity that we felt. I was standing behind the platform, a, a pulpit, and I was, uh, when I was praying, I felt led to pray to break the spirit of national pride. And uh, to give to America. I know it's, you know, it's a new concept for them Russians. But, you know, some of the people came to me. And you know what they said? Some of the people came to me and said, We didn't want to give. We made, a, made up our mind. We're not going to give. This is like the last money we have. And this is the only cause. You took us by surprise. You grabbed us by the throat. And this was the only cause. We were willing to empty our pockets and gave and, and they gave and the church responded enthusiastically I want to finish speaking thirdly about the call for you to come over as we think about world evangelism and missionary field the question that has I have in my mind is how many Sergei's are out there in the world waiting for you to come 
and with a small effort establish a colony. You know, it's interesting that uh, Philippi, Philippi was a Greek uh, city, and several centuries later, I'm really stretching it, but several centuries later, two men, Kyrillus and Methodius, translated a Bible for the Russian tribes from the Greek to the Russian, you know, whatever language we had, and we had a Bible. And these two men were coming from Thessalonica. That's Greece, that's, you know, near Philippi. How interesting that is. Do you know that there are people waiting for you? I know that sounds very, you know, um, original, but do you know that there are people waiting for you? Do you really believe that there is people waiting for you? Oh, I said, do you really believe that there is people, there's a bunch of Sergeys and Miguels and Jose's and who knows what their names are waiting for you? When we sent a year and a half ago a man to Cambodia, he came into contact with a, name, with a man by the name of Sotha. And that man has a story to tell. He got converted, you know, he got, his, his, his family got converted. And here's his story. Uh, uh, in the 70s, he was a young man, and he was in the Khmer Rouge War. That was a, a war that was happening there at that time, a civil war. And he was badly wounded. Some of you heard that story. He was badly wounded, and he was told by a Buddhist doctor that he needs to prepare because he's going to die. But somehow, I don't know how that happened, but he... A Christian Protestant doctor came across that man. And because, you know, that's the difference between Christianity and Buddhism. Can you say amen? Uh, you know, it's about saving lives and, and Buddhism is about fate. And so he saved his life. And for many years, having no Christian witness whatsoever, he held the respect and awe for the Christian faith. But there was nobody who could share gospel with him. And when our missionary came, and uh, this man, Sotha, also spoke a little Russian, speaks a little Russian, so he responded to an advertisement, came, gave his life to Jesus Christ, had excruciating headaches for many years, totally healed. His five sons have been healed, or, or saved, rather, and his wife. There are a bunch of relatives that got saved, and he was instrumental in starting that church in Cambodia, there are people waiting for you. When we send a missionary to Mongolia, he also gave, uh, you know, put an ad in the newspaper looking for interpreter. A man, a man, young man by the name of Baisa reacted. He uh, was fascinated with Russia. He wanted to uh, live in Russia, if you can believe that, but he did. And uh, he was learning Russian, watching Russian TV channels. And unbeknown to us, he was, God was preparing this man. He got gloriously saved, got discipled. And a few months ago, we nationalized that church. He's a pastor now in Ulan Bator, a national pastor together with his wife, 25-year-old man with a 21-year-old woman, girl, that are pastoring there in that nation. There are people waiting for you. And the last thing that I want to mention is a lady by the name of Natasha in Cuba. Our missionary in Cuba, 
was up against the wall. There was no way he could get a religious visa. They, they refused. They said, you got to go back to Russia. There's no way we can help you to stay here. And so in the last ditch effort, after fasting for 15 days, he uh, came into contact with this Russian lady. She lived in there for 24 years in Cuba, had a Cuban husband that left her. And um, uh, as soon as she heard that he's a missionary from Russia, she screamed, praise God. And it turns out that she's a Christian for many years. She has a business in Cuba, and she wanted a Russian couple to, to come to Cuba to start a church, and at one point she even willing, was willing to even finance a Russian couple from, Cuba, from Russia to Cuba to start a church. You can imagine when she sees two beautiful, wonderful, uh, 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 fine Russian young people that, are, that have come all the way from Russia to start a church. She's totally flabbergasted. She's amazed. She says, I'm going to help you with everything I can in my power. And listen to this. She gives them a one-year work visa, pays $1,000, wouldn't give the money, wouldn't take the money from us. She buys a, a, a projector for $550, doesn't want to take money for that. And the last thing, they needed to travel out of Cuba and because they had to renew their visa. And so she found them tickets to Bahamas. Come on, Russians going to Bahamas. It was the missionary's wife's birthday, Oksana's birthday, and so $1,800 uh, worth of the tickets and the hotel, everything paid for. She said, if you, take the, if you give me the money, I'm going to be offended. Yeah, I like those Russians, man. <laughs> there are people all over the place still waiting. How many of those are out there still not saved, waiting to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do you hear the man, Macedonian man calling? Will you go? Will you pursue your destiny? Or will you say to yourself, I have no abilities? Listen, your own man, Jim Sherman, a few years ago, he's 54 years of age, in a, a small town of, in Texas, Grand, Grandeur Land. He saves an 84-year-old woman in her kitchen because a, a, a building was on fire. And so, it's, it's a good thing, you know. He's a... He's a Brave man, 54 years old, saving this old lady of 84. So what's the catch here? The catch is he's a blind man. Listen to the article. Sherman felt his way along a fence to get to the burning home, found this scared-to-death 84-year-old woman in her kitchen, and pulled her out. And when firefighters arrived, they saved three newborn kittens in the home, according to the report. I have no abilities. I can't go. I am not refined. I am not. I have no experience. I have no money. I am not ready. Uh, there's money that I need to make first. There's a, uh, you know, the house I need to buy, and, and etc. And when you get to heaven, you know, I, I, I really love this uh, song. Uh, it was a tw it's a 20-year-old song. The guy's name Ray Bolts. Uh, some of you know. It's too bad he turned out to be a faggot, but. Um, <clears throat> he did in 2008 came out of closet but <laughs> I think I ruined my illustration here but
Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am so glad you gave. Then another man stood before you. He said, remember the time a missionary came to your church. His pictures made you cry. You didn't have much money, but you gave it anyway. Jesus took the gift you gave, and that's why I'm in heaven today. And then it says, I know up in heaven you're not supposed to cry, but I'm almost sure that the, with tears in your eyes, as Jesus took your hand and you stood before the Lord, He said, my child, look around, for great is your reward. That's all I had to say.